Welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. This week, we are continuing our series titled Legacy. Whether you realize it or not, your life has a profound impact on those around you. We can use our uniquely created talents, abilities, and gifts to make a difference in our world. Is it possible God wants to use you in a special way to change your world for good? We hope that this talk encourages you and inspires you as you grow in your relationship with God and others. Well, good morning. Wow. <laughs> good morning. That's, that's, that's a little better. I know you're deep in thought, which is good. Uh, after I graduated from Bible college, I moved to Columbus, Ohio, mostly because I wanted to get involved with a particular church I knew about that met near the campus of The Ohio State University. I was not wanting to go to this church to get a job, even though I had the Bible college education. I, I just wanted to get involved with the church. For what this meant is that I had to get a job doing something else. And so I ended up applying at a company that provided temporary workers for other companies. So if a company needed somebody for four or five weeks or a couple months or whatever, they'd call this company, and then they'd provide the workers. And so I was one of those temporary workers. And my first placement ended up being at OSHA, which is Occupational Safety and Health Administration. I was basically going to be doing a, a clerical job. Uh, companies are required, if they have so many employees, or at least back then, I think it was 50 employees, they were required to fill out a number of forms related to safety. And if someone was injured at the company, or worse, someone died or whatever, they needed to tell OSHA about this. OSHA then would decide whether to investigate. Now, my job, and I kid you not, my job was to go through stacks of piles of paper filled out by these companies, and I was looking for just one check in one box on all those forms. And if that particular box was checked, what it meant is that someone had died. And then I was to set aside that form and get it to an agent who would go to the company and make sure that there hadn't been any negligence. For example, on one of the forms, someone had checked that someone had died, and I was curious enough what happened. And apparently, a young man was working for a manufacturing company. He was driving a forklift, and he, he was getting something off the dock, and he got too close to the edge, and the thing tipped over. And he obviously didn't make it. Now, that was what my job was, just identifying those forms that needed to be followed up. The first day that I was working at this uh, OSHA, I went into the lunchroom when it was time for me to eat, and two different sets of tables signaled for me to come over and join them, which I thought was really friendly. Now, I was to learn later that that may not be the case. There was a lot of competition going on at OSHA. It's like, I think they wanted, like, who's going to get the new guy type of thing. But anyway, I, I took it as, it was nice that they both wanted me at their table, and I decided to sit down at the first table I came to, because that seemed worse to pass that one up. And then I waved to the other table, said, thank you, you know, sat down, and I introduced myself, and then I got to know the other people at the table, paying close attention to their names. Fifteen minutes passed, and one of the employees got up and left. The moment she was out of the cafeteria area there, somebody from the table where I was seated began to launch into an attack on this woman and how horrible she was. And a couple other people sitting at the table agreed, yeah, she's a, just a horrible person. And, and they were just going on, yeah, she did this, yeah, she said that. 
And I sat there, and I, would get, I was surprised by it because this girl that left seemed to be so well-liked. It's like everybody liked her while she was sitting there, but I could tell they despised her. But I didn't say anything on the new guy. Just keep quiet here. Well, a few minutes passed, and then another guy got up from the table. And he walked out. And the moment he walked out, the same thing played out. Somebody began to attack that person, just tearing that person to shreds. Other people said things like, yeah, I noticed that as well. And, and they're just, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I wondered, I really wondered, do none of you see that if you're the next one to leave, you're going to be the next victim? I mean, do none, none of you see this little dynamic going on here? And they were talking about it for a little while. And at a certain point... Uh, I just, I don't know what happened to me. This is not something I would do. I'm just telling you, normally I would not do something like this, especially the first day in a new place. But I stood up, I looked at them and said, I just can't believe this. You guys act like you like the other people sitting at the table, but the moment one of them leaves, you just, you just shred them to pieces. And then I said, what are you going to say about me the moment I walk away from this table? And I grabbed my my tray and went to the other table and plopped down. I'm, I'm positive they were in shock. Had I not done it myself, I would have said, that's not something I would do. I'm not a confrontational person or whatever, but there was just something about this situation that just so stirred my heart. It wasn't anger. It wasn't self-righteousness. I didn't have a judgmental attitude. It's just, I'm a Christian, and what's going on here is toxic. It is not good. And I just, I just did what needed to be done in the moment. I believe it was the right thing to do. And what's interesting about that is that nobody at the company, after I did that, seemed to hate me. Now, maybe they did behind my back. I don't know. Sometimes as Christians, though, we're faced with situations where we just need to step in and do something. You know, we're, we're called to make a difference in the world in which we live. And, and, and so sometimes we're faced with a situation where we just feel compelled to act. I just need to do something. Sometimes there's a need that needs to be met, and you become aware of this need, and you have a choice at that point, you know? Am I going to ignore the need, or am I going to step up and do something about it? Sometimes it's even an area of leadership, where you realize someone needs to be the leader here, but you don't want to be the leader, but you're wondering, well, maybe I, I should be the one to do this. We, as Christians, are called to step up and do good in the world in which we live. Now, my takeaway today is this, the faith we profess is revealed through the good we do. Our faith, the faith that we profess that we have, is to be revealed or is revealed through the things we do, the good that we do in the world around us. Now, someone would, might have said about my OSHA thing, you know, they, I could see someone would say, well, that wasn't good, but I'm telling you, that was the, it was the, the right thing to do. It was important that that be addressed. Now, last week, I talked about the fact that if we are Christians, we are the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus Christ in this world. And I made the point that we're to do good as a natural outflow of the fact we're connected to Christ. And this point is really significant because the fruit that comes out of our lives, what is produced through our lives, is not our own. It's because we're connected to Jesus. And so Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And then he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So as a branch, you stay connected to this vine. 
and, and the grapes just come out by virtue of being attached to the vine. All the nutrition, all the life comes from the vine, not the branch itself. You cut off the branch and it dies. It can't produce fruit. And so we as Christians have been called to be bearers of fruit. And we glanced at first, or John chapter 15 and verse 8, where Jesus said, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit, and then prove to be my disciples by the, the fruit we produce in our lives. Now, when I see a, a verse that says God is glorified by something, that's something I typically want to do. Because we, we tend to think that glorifying God is through our worship, which I think that does glorify Him. There's no doubt when we praise Him. But this is a verse that's saying that our Father, our Heavenly Father, is glorified. He, it brings glory to His name when His disciples produce fruit. It, it brings Him glory. And that fruit can take a variety of forms. And I touched on some of this last week. It could be what is called in the book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, qualities such as love, joy, peace. You know, the peace you have when others don't. Patience, we need that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all qualities that, that when we're walking in step with God's Spirit, wherever we are, those are qualities that are brought into the world in which we live. It's part of the fruit. The fruit, and spirit, or the fruit that we produce in our life is anything that results from being properly connected to Christ. And so sometimes the fruit is something else. Sometimes the fruit would be if you lead someone to faith in Christ. You know, in Christian circles, that's called fruit. You know, someone puts their trust in Christ. After this little thing happened at the company here, uh, one of the girls came up to me, I think it was the next day, it might have been even that afternoon, and she wanted to talk about Jesus. It had opened the door for a spiritual conversation with her, and so we began to talk, and you know, that's fruit too when you, when you share Christ with other people. Sometimes the fruit in our lives is, is just the good we do for someone, the serving, the meeting of needs, things like that. Sometimes it's volunteering, it's stepping up to help out. You know, tonight was announced earlier that we have this event called Unite, and it's a way of honoring those of you that are serving around here, but it's also a way to introduce some of you to opportunities to serve. By this, our Father's glorified when we bear much fruit, and it takes all these different forms. And again, my takeaway is the faith we profess, it's, it's actually revealed through the good that we do. Now, today I want to focus on, th on three verses mostly, almost exclusively on these three verses, and they're very, very familiar verses. In fact, they're the kind of verses that when I, I feel like this is what I need to talk about, I feel apologetic, like I need to apologize ahead of time to say to you, I know you know these verses. Please don't discard them. Please listen in a new way. But I think they're very important verses, and there will be things that we're going to talk about you probably have not heard before. But the illustration I want to talk about here today is the fact that Jesus said we're the light of the world. I want to talk about the implications of that and what that looks like. But the point is there's good that we're supposed to be accomplishing in this world. Last week we looked at Ephesians 2.10 where we read, for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. And I mentioned last week that when it says we are his creation, it's not a reference to you being created by God in terms of, of your flesh and blood. 
we are his creation in that sense. But this verse says we are his creation created in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the new creation. And this new creation, what God makes of us when we put our faith in Christ and the spirit of God comes to live within us and he begins to change us. God is investing his Holy Spirit in your life specifically so that there are things now you could do you could never do before Jesus. And there are good things he wants you to do. This phrase from Ephesians 2.10, it says, God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. That phrase is kind of interesting in the Greek language in which this is written because how it should be understood is that, there, that we are to walk within the sphere of good works. That's how, that's how you understand this. As Christians, we, we've been reborn so that everywhere we go, whatever sphere we find ourselves, we have a work sphere. You know, you've got your family, you've got your neighborhood, you've got when you go out shopping, you've got when you're driving. There's a, a sphere of, of good deeds, and that's what Paul is talking about. It's a realm of influence. I kind of view it like a, maybe like a football field even, where you, where you spell out the, the edge of, edges of the football field, and then we as Christians are walking freely in that area, just plain doing good everywhere. If I'm over here, I'm doing good. If I'm over here, I'm doing good. That's kind of what he's talking about here, that there are things that God wants us to be accomplishing because we're connected to Christ. And as I talked about last week, we're listening to Christ and wanting to do what he wants to do. The passage we're going to look at here where Jesus talks about us being the light of the world is Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And Jesus lays out not only our responsibility to be a light in the world, but he also spells out what that looks like. And it does exactly point to my takeaway, the faith we profess, it's revealed through the good we do. That's how people see. But let's go ahead and read the passage, and then we're going to talk about it. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men or before people so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Notice again the connection between the good works and glorifying our Heavenly Father. Now I want to make three points here about this illustration. The first one is this, that I think we need to realize what we are. We need to realize what we are. And what are we? Well, verse 14 again, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. That's what you are. Now, there's a lot of interesting things that we could say about just that one statement. I'm going to mention some of them here. But first of all, when I read that I am the light of the world, where, where, see, you, you have to understand what Jesus is doing, of course, with the disciples. He's trying to help them see themselves differently. Don't you realize this is what you are? You're the light of the world. What's interesting to me, first of all, when I read that, is that I realize, wait a minute, Jesus said he was the light of the world. In fact, when I've used that reference before, I've emphasized the fact that he is the light of the world. He's not a light. We believe Jesus is the light of the world. He's the one that illuminates all spiritual life. It's Jesus. He is the light of the world. And then I read this passage, and it it says, you are the light of the world. And in the Greek language in which this is written, and I, I use, talk about this a lot, but the, the emphasis is on the word you. 
The way we understand this is you, capital Y-O-L, you are the light of the world. Don't you realize that's what you are? You're the light of the world. I'm talking about you. So wait a minute, are we the light or is Jesus the light? The answer is yes. Jesus understood, of course, that he was going to be returning to his Father in heaven. Jesus understood that the church was going to be called the body of Christ. He understood we are now here, left behind, and we are the light of the world. He went up to heaven. We're the ones here, so we are now again his hands, and we are his feet, and we are his, his voice. All of us that know Christ, you are the light of the world. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, if I'm a light, I'm one of those little bathroom lights. I go, just tiny little, little Christmas light or something. No. Even a bathroom light produces a lot of light. But this is, this is important that we see ourselves this way and realize it. But what we have to understand about being the light of the world, there is a sense in which we're a different light than Jesus was. And the difference is this. Jesus reflected his own light. We don't. We're reflecting the light of God. We're reflecting the light of Christ within us. It's, it's not our light that we're reflecting. It, it's not a light that originates with us. The illustration that comes to my mind every time I read this is that of the moon. The moon is, I, I find the moon kind of fascinating. I'd love to go there sometime. But it's just a, a rock. It's a dusty rock in space that spins a little ball in space. It's really quite remarkable. You can tell it's been hit by meteors and things, all the craters and everything, but there it is. It's a dead ball. And yet, and yet, it produces such a remarkable amount of light. It's unbelievable. Sometimes at night, at midnight or whatever, you could be walking out, seeing perfectly fine by the moon's light. Now again, it's not its own light. It's the it's the light that comes from the sun, and this is part of the point Jesus is making. Because the reason we glorify the Father is that we reflect the Father when we do good deeds. If you see the moon at all at night, if you see the moon at all, you could say with 100% certainty there's a sun out there somewhere. You may not see the sun. You won't see the sun. It's on the other side of the world. It's over in Australia. But if you, see, if you see the moon, it means there is a sun. It points directly to the reality of this other thing over here, which is exactly what we do with our lives. We're pointing to the reality that we have a God. And the things we do cause people to say, is it because of your God? You are, you, you are different. Now, there's some implications to all of this. One of them is this, and maybe you haven't thought of it, but if we're the light of the world, it means the, the world itself has no light. It's dark. And the world is in darkness. And in the Bible, biblically, darkness is understood in a variety of different ways. Most of the time, it has to do with like a spiritual blindness. People are just blind. People are, are blind to what's good and right. People are blind to their own sinful condition. People are blind to who Jesus was and is. People are blind to their need for a Savior. They don't see, and they go through their life blind. The Bible even says Satan has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. And so that's the world in which we live, and this is why it's so important we be the light of the world, because the, the world is so dark, but it doesn't even recognize it. Walking around blindly. 
Sometimes spiritual blindness, though, or I'm sorry, darkness, spiritual darkness is sometimes a reference to sin. You know, in 1 John, it talks a lot about that. Don't walk in the dark, walk in the light. And so it's talking about ordering your life according to what's good and right and pure in the eyes of God and, and not in a sinful lifestyle. And so walking in the light means you're doing things God's way. Sometimes the idea of darkness in the Bible is judgment, like when Egypt was plunged into darkness for three days, couldn't see a thing. It's a picture, by the way, of eternity for some. But there's a real darkness out there, and the world is in darkness, and then here we are, and we are the light of the world. And in a sense, the world needs that light that we produce. I mean, God could save people without us, An interesting thing about this, though, or another interesting thing to me about it is that you're the light of the world whether you recognize it or not, and people can see it whether you want them to or not. I mean, Jesus said, you're the light of the world, and then he said, a city on a hill can't be hidden. You can't hide it. That's what he's saying about if if you're the light of the world, you can't hide the fact. Now, we'll see in a minute people try. There are things that we can do that kind of dim the light or maybe we don't want people to see the light necessarily, but you're the light of the world whether or not you see it or not. And I remember when this came home for me one time years ago when I was still living in Columbus and I was still working for that temporary agency. I was reassigned to an insurance company. I worked in the mailroom. And one day, a new employee was introduced to me. Someone else is going to be working in the mailroom and and some of you have heard me talk about this before, that I, I, I try not to form opinions about people when I meet them. I just love, I want to love first, you know, and, and whatever. But when I met this guy, I thought, I don't like you. Now, honestly, I'm telling you the truth that up to this point, I don't remember that ever happening to me like that, where I just, I met this guy and I thought, I just don't like you. You're just a, like annoying person. Like, I don't... You know, I, I just, I don't like you, and I don't know why. I treated him nicely. I was friendly, showed him the ropes. I, I didn't treat him poorly, but in my heart, I did not like the guy. I certainly did not love the guy. And then, after maybe three weeks or so, this guy came up to me and he said, what is it with you? He said, you're different, which could be really good or bad. <laughs> he said, you're really different. And I said, what do you mean I'm different? And he said, well, I'm just curious. I mean, is it your faith? I'm like, I'm like, are you a Christian or something? And I said, well, yes I, yes, I am a Christian. He said, I knew it. I knew you were a Christian. And shortly after that, I had an opportunity to share the gospel with this young man. He wanted to know, and I shared John 3.16 and whatever. And he didn't respond to it, but about a month later, he walked into the company there. It was Farmer's Insurance. He walks into the mailroom. He was beaming. He said, I became a Christian last night. Thank you. And he'd put his trust in Christ. The thing that blew me away about it is that I was not a very good Christian when it happened. I would have said I wasn't really the light of the world toward that individual at all, but a city on a hill can't be hidden. First time I went to Israel, our guide, Israel guide actually pointed to a city on a hill. And then he said, and there's some question about this, but he said, that's the city. 
He said, you can see that from all around. That's the one Jesus was talking about. He was standing right here. He said, a city on a hill, you can't hide it. How, how could you possibly hide that? We can't either. But sometimes we try, which brings me to my second point. First point is we need to realize what we are. Second, we need to radiate the light. But we'll see in a minute how, how we do that. Now, this might seem odd because you think, well, if you are the light, you're already radiating it. I like what a scholar by the name of Jay Nolan says, what he has to say about this. He says, the challenge that Jesus is giving us, the challenge is to live out in the public arena what one is intrinsically. The light, being the light of the world is what we are, but now he's about to get into the question of what we do. How do we reflect that light? And it's possible for us not to reflect it very well. Sometimes by the things we do, they don't reflect the light of Christ very well, and sometimes by the things we don't do that we should. Let's read verses 15 and 16 again. Jesus said, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men or people so that they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father in heaven. Dr. Nolan describes what those homes in Jesus' day would have been like in, in relation to this lamp. He writes, Homes were illuminated with small terracotta oil-burning lamps. These could be carried around when required, but would normally sit on a stand conveniently located to provide a basic level of illumination for the whole dwelling, this is possible because the homes in mind consisted of single rooms, as was typically the case with Palestinian homes of this period. Research indicates that in the time of Jesus, in fact, many times the lampstand was built right into the wall. You actually build it in there, and then you'd have this, this clay lamp that you would use to illuminate, and because it was a one-room place or whatever, it provided light for everyone to see. Now, Jesus here is talking about how foolish it would be to light a light and then cover it up with a basket. The basket that's referred to here is one that's used to measure grain, barley, and things like that. So it would be maybe a half-bushel-type basket-type thing, and, and Jesus is saying nobody lights, a, nobody lights a candle, which is intended to bring light, and then puts a basket over it to hide the light. He said, no, let your light shine. Now, why wouldn't we want to let the light shine? Why would this be an issue at all? Because this obviously is an issue. Why does Jesus have to say this illustration at all? Why does Jesus have to tell us, well, don't, don't light the thing and then put a basket on it? The reason he has to tell us that is because that's what we do. It could be a problem. that We cover the light. Now, as I've reflected on this, I realize that Part of the reason might be that we don't want people to know we're a Christian. I've known people, they've told me before, they said, I don't want anyone to know I'm a Christian because I'm afraid of what I'll say or I'm afraid of what I'll do, and then it will reflect negatively on, on Christ and on my faith, and so I'd just rather no one knew. The better response is just to live out your faith in front of others. Jesus is not saying here you need to be perfect. In fact, sometimes our failures as, as Christians are the best thing that could happen. We do something that's not right, and 
It provides an opportunity for you to do something no one else is going to do if they don't know Christ. It's going to cause you in humility to go back to the person and say, I was wrong. And as a Christian, I should not have done that, and I'm sorry, I'm not perfect yet, but I'm working on it. And they're going to say, what? I made a mistake at one company, and I went to the boss with an apology about it. It, blew his, it just absolutely blew his mind. And, and, and it, it opened doors again. So Jesus is not saying be perfect about your light. But he is giving us the hint on how do, how do we reflect the light, and it's through the things we do. It's my takeaway. The, the faith we profess is revealed through the good we do. Look at verse 16 again. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before people so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So shine your light in a way that people see the good works and glorify God. Now, some of you immediately perhaps have a question that popped into your mind, and it's a good question. The question is this. I thought that we weren't supposed to let people see our good deeds. I mean, didn't Jesus talk about that? He says, if you do something, don't do it so other people see it. If you give here, don't, you know, he said even don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And so we're not supposed to let people see our good deeds, and yet Jesus says here, yes, you are. The question is, which is right? And the answer is, yes. They're both right. The issue is the motive. Jesus said, if we do good things so that we might be seen by other people, we have already got our reward because people are going to look at you and they're going to say, you're, you're a good person. And Jesus said, that's the only reward you're going to get. If you do it, For that, you got your reward already. If you do it for God, then he'll reward you in heaven. But the issue is the motive here. What is our motive here? Our motive here is to glorify our God. It's to point to our Savior Jesus. It's to open doors for conversation. Now, I find what Jesus said here about shining our light through good deeds encouraging because I just love the idea of, of a witness, being a witness without words. The, the, the Christians sometimes talk too much about things. They condemn too much, which some of you might be thinking, well, that's what you did at OSHA. No, I really did not. It, it was with absolute humility that I said, are you going to talk to me like about that, you know, when I leave, the same way you did about them? It was almost from a broken heart. It was from, it was from that place. But it's encouraging because this is, this is how we flesh out being the light of the world. And so it's through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's being a nice driver. It's being friendly to the waitress and generous in the restaurant. It's being kind to fellow employees or, or if you're the boss, being kind to them. It's reflected through your home and everything you do because, again, we're supposed to be walking with Christ and all the good comes out of that and it's all kinds of good all the time. But I like this also because it is something that every one of us can do. No one can say, well, I can't do what you're asking me to do. He's merely saying the way in which you shine your light is be that person who's doing good and glorifying your Father in heaven, which is my third point here. In addition to the fact we need to realize what we are and radiate the light that we have, the third is that we reveal God's glory, not ours. This gets back again to the motive. We don't do things so people can see us. 
Matthew 5:16, Jesus said, "In the same way, let your light shine before men, so they may see your good works, and then they'll give glory to your Father in heaven." It does raise the question: How how will that lead to people giving glory to God the Father? by the good deeds you do. And I think it happens in two primary ways. Number one is that many times the good that you do is going to lead someone to turn to the Heavenly Father. They're going to wonder about your faith. And so it's going to provide an opportunity for them to enter into a relationship. And I can't think of anything more wonderful than to point people to our God, point people to their need for a Savior, and to do it in a, a loving way through the deeds we do. And so that glorifies God, there's no doubt. But the other way is that when we do good for others, it, it results in praise to God from them, whoever we're helping. If you're someone who likes to take notes, the reference is 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 15. We won't look there. But in that section, Paul is raising money to give to the believers who lived in Jerusalem because there was a famine in Jerusalem. And so he's collecting money to help take care of their needs. And toward the end, in the verses I just read here, 2 Corinthians 9, 12 to 12 through 15, he says, do you realize that what your gift is going to do is it's going it's to result in praise and thanksgiving to your God, to the Father. They're, they will praise you because of this gift. They will praise God because of this gift, and he will get the glory. But then it adds something else, and I think this is really good. It says not only will the, they thank God, but it says they'll pray for you. They'll bless you before God. It'll open the door for God, I think, to bless you. And I think that that's a wonderful thing because over the years, as people have helped me in different ways, they barely left before my prayer was, may you bless that person for their kindness, for their goodness. And God is glorified. Thank you, Lord, for meeting the need. Thank you for using this one to do it. So let me close with a summary and then one Bible reference that captures it all. The faith we profess is revealed through the good we do. And I wish this were the orientation we had. Three points under it. Number one, we need to realize what we are. Do you realize that you are the light of the world wherever you are? Take inventory of that fact. You're at the store, you're the light of the world there. You're on the highway, you're the light of the world there. You're in the home, you're the light of the world there. You're in the workplace, you're the light of the world there. Second, we need to realize what, I'm sorry, we need to realize what we are. Number two is we need to radiate the light we have instead of hide it. And it just raises some questions in terms of our own evaluation. What kind of light am I? And that's, that's a question worth asking. You know, what kind of light are you in the home, in the workplace, in the world, and even in the church? As I mentioned earlier, this Unite event tonight, it's about being a light together, working together and serving Christ, doing good deeds. And then third, we need to reveal God's glory, not ours. Here's the reference. Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. This says almost exactly what Jesus did in a different way. He said, for you were once darkness, which is true. And again, we realize people don't, don't know Jesus. That's how they're described. They're in darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then it goes on to explain what it looks like. He says, for the fruit of the light results in, and he mentions three things here. You know you're seeing the fruit when it results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The goodness has to do with being, doing good to other people. It has to do with our horizontal relationship. It's revealed through goodness, doing good wherever you are. 
The righteousness has to do with the vertical relationships, and so part of what it means to be the light is to walk humbly before your God and to address things in your life that need to be addressed. And then in the midst of it all, we hold out the truth because the world needs the truth. And as we're what we should be with our God and we're what we should be with other people, as we hold out the truth, it'll lead people, I think, to our God. Let's pray. Father, we're so amazed that you would choose to use us to be a light in this world. I ask you, Lord, to just bring this to our attention in the days ahead as we face various situations to realize that there may be some good that you want us to do in this situation at this time. Give us, the Lord, the grace to take the initiative to say, yes, I'll be the light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.